Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in. You're listening to Wrestling Changed My Life. We can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change. Wrestling gave us that ability. I would say nothing in life has impacted me more than the things wrestling has taught me in terms of self-reflection, resilience. Toughness. Some guys have it, some guys don't. Adversity, 100%. How to pick myself up and be a man after I failed. And everything that has shaped my life and where I'm at today would not be there without the values and basically the lessons I've learned through the sport of wrestling. For me, wrestling saved my life because it, it allowed me to focus and channel my energy. We're fortunate if you wrestled because if you wrestled, natural talent helps, but it's it's five percent of the ingredient. It pales in comparison to heart and technique and effort. It humbled me, taught me humility. Nothing can hit, humble you more than wrestling. I think it's the learning to adapt, right? You learn, you learn how to adapt, you learn how to solve problems. You know, if I look back at my time, I spent wrestling. If it gave me one thing more than anything else, it's mental toughness. Ladies and gents, boys and germs, welcome back to the podcast. It's Wrestling Changed My Life. This is your host, Ryan Warner. My guest today is Jared Lawrence, who is a national champion for the Minnesota Gophers, four-time All-American, four-time high school undefeated state champ. So yeah, this guy knows some wrestling. He's been in the trenches and lived to tell the tale, and he joins the podcast here for episode 41. Now, folks, before we get into the episode, quick shout out to our fan of the week, Rodney Chamberlain. Greatly appreciate you tuning in, Rodney. I can't look at this thing without thanking Rodney Dangerfield, but Rodney Chamberlain, you're a bad man. Thank you, sir. We appreciate it. Now, without further ado, let's take you to this episode with Jared the Golden Gopher, Lawrence. Now, when you were a kid, you had you know, one of the most legendary careers in Idaho. I know your older brother was also a four-time state champ, and you wrestled for one of the greats, Dan Taylor. Were your parents super involved in your upbringing? And if not, how did you get you know, so into it? They were involved in helping me when I needed help, right? Like, So my dad didn't have the knowledge that a guy like Dan Taylor had. So... Um, they just brought me to place A to place B, you know, if I wanted work, you know, there was a lot of times that, so I grew up in the mountains, you know, I didn't have a lot of TV, you know, we ended up getting like cable when I was like a junior in high school. So when I was little, it was easy to get bored and, and we had a small little wrestling room. So there was a lot of times that I just kind of went in there by myself, you know, and we, we had this thing, we had one of the things that I loved doing was we had this bungee cord right? That was strapped to the wall. And then we put a weightlifting belt on the other side and I would just throw that on and I would, you know, stance and just penetrate, stance, penetrate, and it slingshots you back, but it, wow. it's resistance training. And most of the time my dad would, um, you know, hear me going in there. Or sometimes I'd go up to him and say, Hey, will you come just stand for me? And he would really just stand there and let me take shots on, you know, I'm not finishing any shots. You just, you know, but I could hammer off probably 200 shots in probably like 15 minutes. And then I'd be, it'd be done. And he'd be like, okay, good job. And how old were you at this point? Um, I was probably around like that, that 11 to probably 14 wow. age when I really started caring about myself, you know, and wanting to be good. So you were, man, the amount of reps you must have taken in that room, 
you know, God only knows. And so you were that into it as a young kid. Yeah, that was one of the greatest things that like Dan Taylor, it's funny. I mean, most people won't, wouldn't know that name. It's funny that you do. Um, but um, the motivational side of it, you know, getting him to believe, you know, in yourself and, and, and doing extra stuff for it. That was like, man, he did a really good job at it. Do you have anything like specifically where he, like as a young kid, he gave a talk or something and, or like this was one of his philosophies? Dude, he, he, he talked to us daily. Really? I mean, there would be times that we would start practice and it wouldn't get going for 20 minutes because he would just sit there and talk motivational talks. Like, like you would get amped up, man. I would get, we would be, (laughs) it was, it was, it was really cool. It was one of his gifts, man. He could, he was able to get every bit of anything out of everybody. Wow. Like a John Wooden type sage kind of coach, huh? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Wow. That's awesome. So, I mean, from a small town of Sandpoint, Idaho, where there's like 8,000 people, um, when he first started, just a, a background of him, because like nobody listening to the podcast will have any idea who he is, you know. Um, they started off with his son, was, his name was Zach Taylor. He wrestled for the Gophers um, just, a, you know, five or six years ahead of me. Um, but he was like the only guy that made it to state, and we had like zero people in in a crowd for wrestling, like a typical like okay, the families are the only people that were in there. So we had one guy that went to state and then had like 15 people on the stands. Fast forward six years and we were state champions and we were putting like a thousand people for a home duel, big home duel. Like it was, the gym would be packed. Holy cow. It was just, it was just really cool. The transformation that it took in, in just that amount of time. So this guy was just a doer, man. He just made it happen and had a way of kind of creating this energy around him. Yep. Just getting people to to buy in and, and, and really motivate, you know, motivate people to actually work hard. So you had guys that started wrestling. I mean, granted, it's Idaho, so it's not like the greatest right. state. It's not bad, but it's not like, you know, it's not Pennsylvania. Right. You know, but you'd have guys that would start wrestling like in eighth grade and they'd be state champs by seniors. Man. But they would be putting massive amount of time in. So we did like two a days the entire year. <laughs> yeah. We had we had like we had like six forty five practice every single day. Six forty five to eight, and you had from eight to eight twenty to um shower and get ready for class. And were were the workouts like conditioning and strength in the morning and then wrestling at night, or what what was the breakdown back then? So he, he would go back and forth. So we'd probably do conditioning and strength um, probably twice a week. Mm-hmm. And then the other, the other two mornings, you know, like on occasional, we got like Friday off. If we had like a duel on Thursday, he'd be like, all right, you guys can have tomorrow morning off. <laughs> oh, my God. I just love hearing stories about people who are just you know, so uh, so motivational, and, and you never even hear about these people, right? Is he still around? Is he no. still coaching wrestling? He's not. No, no. He he had um, a little bit of a falling out with, like, our AD. So the AD okay. and standpoint was the basketball coach at the time. So they got, like, all the Friday-Saturday duels, you know, and wrestling got, like, Tuesday-Thursday, and they, they battled a little bit. And so he, he took a, a leave of absence, actually, 
when his son was a senior to come out to Minnesota and help them out a little bit. Oh, wow. Really to to spend time with his kid to try to get him back on track where he was, his son was like, as a sophomore was ranked like number two in the country and then like tore his ACL and then had a hard time coming back. And then he finally got back and he tore his other ACL. So it was one of those stories. Gotcha. But the the AD pretty much said, Hey, if you're going to leave for this long a time, then um, you're not allowed to come back. So. Got it. Okay. Now, when you family were, first, yeah, absolutely. And I didn't realize that was kind of the Idaho to Minnesota pipeline because your brother was obviously a four-time state champ as well. Went there, then you went there, so it's kind of random, you know, Idaho to Minnesota. Yeah, so him the- and um, him and J. Rob are very close friends. Yep. Let's spend a few minutes on that guy. I mean, I am doing a a podcast documentary on Dan Gable right now. It's going to come out in the next couple of weeks. But obviously, Jay Rob's a big part of the Iowa success in the 70s and 80s, Mark Johnson, those guys. And then Jay Rob left and went to Minnesota. And you know, maybe you know this better than me. Like, what was the state of Minnesota wrestling when Jay Rob took over? Were they, were they bottom of the barrel? Were they average? Like, what was it? Yeah, I think they were maybe average. They had some, some good guys right away. And then just kind of, it, it took them a while. I think before Jay, um, I wouldn't say bottom of the barrel, but definitely not top and then when jay got there he had recruited some some really good guys right away but then they had some school issues you have some other issues Mm -hmm. but some really talented guys and then it it basically just climbed from there i mean yeah he did an awesome job awesome another guy that's the same way you're just motivational finds way to get out of out of you a little bit more now his way would be more i would say military-based right almost like that i wouldn't say negative motivation but you it, it's it's that strict type of way to to get everything out of you so work for the right for people and some people that you know when you get to college there's just there's a lot of you have a lot of people and some it works for and some it doesn't yeah i mean well he was in the military <laughs> and uh yeah. you know he olympian and yeah, everything's based on it yeah <laughs> and did he go to oklahoma state or oklahoma i can never remember oklahoma state which man how Think about this for a second. I mean, could you imagine Tom Brands hiring someone from Oklahoma State now <laughs> and then someone from Michigan, which was the case with Gable hiring Jay Robb and Mark Johnson back in the 70s. I yeah. think that's what's so cool about it. Um, so what was uh, what are some some early encounters you had with Jay Robb? Did you do the intense training camps as a kid? I did, yeah. So my high school coach was very involved with um, Jay Robinson and his intensive camps. So like, um, there was a, there was a few times that like Jay had like major surgeries, right? So he would be out for, you know, like five or six days. And actually my high school coach would take over his role. Like he would do all the motivational talks that Jay Rob does. But so my eighth grade year, I did the 28 day Ooh. camp. And then my ninth grade year, I did the 10 day, the 14 day, 23 days of the 28 day. And then I went to Fargo. <laughs> Whoa, man, you had yeah, to be that was, chiseled. Man. That was my summer. <laughs> <laughs> what made left, you love like, it so June much? 6, got back in August. Yeah. I, you know what? I loved it, man. I really did. It's did... probably a rare, a rare thing, but I had a lot of fun and you know, you're hanging out with, you know, college guys all the time. And, I'd get a little bit more special treatment just because of who I, who I was and who I knew. Um, so I, I was, 
I was actually in heaven, even though you're working your tail off. Oh man. I mean, that's, that's an understatement. Those camps, you know, as a kid, I grew up in Western Illinois and there's a lot of wrestling going on there, but you know, once in a while you'd hear stories about a kid who went to the J Rob camp and, and before the internet, the rumors were, were insane. You, you would hear, you would, you would hear kids talking about how during the wrestling practices, there was so much sweat on the mats. Like, there were people would have to mop them all the time, which now obviously yeah. you can believe, oh, yeah. but I mean, those camps were legendary at the time and that was before the Academy scene. So really you didn't have that. Now you kind of have that yeah. with the Academy stuff all the time. Yeah. I mean, they, the, the, the system is, is awesome. Like when you talk about changing lives, you should get Jay Robinson on a podcast because that's his motto. You know, that the camps, will change you and they will. And I'll tell you what, society now needs it more than ever. Because when you go there, you have nobody holding your hand. You don't have mom or dad waking you up, making you breakfast. That's the whole point of those camps. You get yourself up. You get yourself from point A to point B. You have to be there. You have to be, you know, like you get a, the whole camp's based on a point system, right? So you get you know, you start off with, you know, so many points and, and you get docked points for if you're late or if you're not working hard enough. That's how they keep people to work hard because the whole point is to graduate. Everybody wants the I did it shirt. You want it. And so if you, you know, try to take it easy or slack, you know, you got a run every morning. And if you're like, you know, you're tired, you're and you try to, you know, take it easy. Boom, you get a negative and, and you only can get so many negatives before you don't graduate. See, and late is a huge, yeah. And so like late, the points aren't common. How many points? Like he doesn't tell anybody how many points each positive and negative is worth. But you, he's, you're allowed to give out as many negatives as, a, as you want as a counselor every practice. But you're only allowed to give out one positive per run and two positives per wrestling practice. And, and they basically will cancel each other out if you, you know, get too many negatives and you need to, you got to get, you know, you got to get back on track a little bit. You can always work super hard and get a positive, but lates are a big deal. Those ones actually are like 50 points. So wow. if you show up to practice, if you show up and they say line up, like you have 10 seconds to line up. And if your shoes aren't tied, you're late. Old school. If you're baby. not in line. If you're not, if you're not in line perfectly, you're out of line. You're late. Like you got to be single file military. Boom. You're in. And it, it's, it's amazing because you, 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 you learn, like, if you talk to people that go to those camps, man, every, every single one of them will be like, change me, change me, change me. Yep. And it's not even the fact that you, a kid who went was a national champ or a Fargo American. It could be just a, a, a average wrestler. Most of them, most of them are. Yeah. Most of them are just average. Right. That's what I remember from it. Yeah. Cause the guy who I knew who went was, um, was good, but not like a blue chip by I mean, not even close to a blue chip. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Wow. And so wh- why do you think you loved this kind of style and work ethic? Cause wh- from what I read about you, your style was you're going to go, go, go. And then in the third period, if you were trailing at that point, that's where you'd make up some ground and you were just yeah a worker. I, 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 I think it's just a combination of, you know, you are who you're, who you, what, you are how you're taught, right? And I went from one coach that was motivational and we worked really hard and he thrived on that. Like, you know, his motto was, I don't care what it is, we will never lose by getting outworked. They might beat us, 
but it's never going to be because, you know, we're tired basically. And I just went from one coach that went like that. And I went to another coach that went like that. So just my whole career that this, those are the coaches that I've had. And did you seriously consider any other schools besides Minnesota coming out of high school? You know, I really didn't, to be honest. I, I really, I, I mean, I, I went on other visits and I tried to keep an open mind. Um, but, you know, like my brother was there who were very close, you know, like some brothers, some family members do that. But like my brother and I, we still pretty much like talk every day. Yeah. You know, just like I get in my car. I'm like, oh, I'm kind of bored. I got to call somebody. Well, I'll call Brett at work and see if he's available. Yep. Yeah. My brother's the same um, way. Yeah. So it's just, yeah, it was, it was there and I, I just had so many connections there. So it was easy. And when you got there, they were kind of coming into their own. Um, Becker was there. Um, excuse me, Kraft. I'm thinking of Kraft. Kraft was there, and he was kind of the first yep. guy that, that that the name I remember. And that's a little bit before my time. But um, oh w- yeah, was it a tough transition for you, or did you go right into it and feel right at home right away? Um, you know that the the transition part was just when you're really wrestling. Like you just have to understand that you're wrestling men. Like when you talk about Kraft. I used to wrestle craft in that room and he used to beat the tar out of me. And that was just the mentality of it. Like, like when you were a freshman there, which I don't, now you, you got, you get so many people that are so talented young, but back then, you know, like it was rare for a freshman to all American. It was just so rare. And like crafty was the first one that was a four time all American from, from Minnesota, but just, it didn't happen that often back then. And I just remember, um, you were like fresh meat when you got there as a freshman and, and any of the upperclassmen, they, I mean, they just like, they just outsought the freshmen right away and just beat the tar out of you <laughs> just over and over and again, just cause you just, you're not used to wrestling men, man. That's right. Five years difference, four years difference at, at that different level, man, was huge. The maturity was just such a big deal. So it, it didn't matter. You were just, you were just, you know, trying to get a takedown the first, you know, week, first month, just come on, just give me a point. Everyone and, we've uh, had on says yeah. that, and it's like hard to, it's, you know, everyone hears that you don't score a takedown for your first couple of months in college, but it's hard to actually grasp what that means because if if you're not getting a takedown for your first month, that means you're going live you know, God knows how many hours and literally not scoring a single point. Whereas you came from Idaho where you were undefeated four times state champ, Fargo All American. I mean, it's a tough transition. I think that just shows the people who make it through that the, kind of a mind of steel, so to speak. And Chris Bono talks about that because he came from Florida going to Iowa State where there's a huge discrepancy and he, you know, was really hurting for about a solid year, but said it was the most important year of his life and that changed his life. So, Always curious to hear people's stories going into college, uh, their first year or even their first couple months. Yeah, yep. I my brother, I don't think he. Yeah, I think he talked about it. he didn't score a point until like a a, a solid month in, oh my like a first takedown, one month. That's insane. Now, before you went on your run, um, wearing the uh, the maroon and gold, so to speak, you were on a, a couple of junior world teams. I'm just curious, who were some of the guys on those junior world teams back then? So, like, um, Lowney was on with me. Damian Hahn was on a team with me. Leroy Vega. There was one year that um, 
you know, Damien and I and Leroy, who are all Minnesota people, were all on a junior world team together. We went to Australia. Unfortunately, I, I had wrestled Luke Becker to make the team. That was the finals of the, you know, junior world trials. And we were also roommates. Wow. So that made a very, made a very uncomfortable couple of days, which, you know, and, and most of the time Luke um, would beat me. So it was just, you know, the luck of, of that particular match in practice. So, Man, Leroy Vega, I remember that guy <clears throat> from, I don't know if you remember this, but ESPN did a documentary in Iowa called The Season way back when. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And they showed Leroy Vega. I was terrified of this guy after this, but before the duel meets, he would like shave his head like he was going into battle. And he would battle Luke Eustace, who is a Minnesota guy, I think. Um, yeah, yeah. I was terrified of that guy, though, from that documentary. <laughs> Yeah, he's awesome. Yeah, they're all good people. And so, man, when I when I look back in your college career, I just look at some of the rivalries you had with with some of the greats at that time, Terapelli, Zadik. I mean, what do you remember about those battles with Zadik back in the day? Uh, they were um, definitely rivalry. You know, like at the time, I, I mean, Iowa and Minnesota, like it was a true rivalry like it still sits in us this day you know what i mean i have to really try to be open-minded about it and and that but it's 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 hard because it was i mean it was truly um like you know life or death almost like a hatred almost it awesome. you know it seemed like almost. it was it <laughs> was almost stronger than oklahoma totally, state <laughs> but oh it's way worse yeah way worse yeah, yeah. Border states. I and I don't even know why, but yeah, that's just the way it was. I just feel like, you know, both programs, you guys look at J-Rob as a mythical figure and then Iowa with Gable. And, you know, there's a lot of rumors that the breaking out or the breakup wasn't that good. So there's some, maybe there's some lingering things there. But either way, it was awesome because Minnesota would was on top of the time and they would do it right. They'd put the, the dual meet was a big deal and they did the spotlight and, I think there was yeah, even like and, the... And, and Iowa hated all that. They hated everything that we did. You know, they were like, you know what? Wrestling needs to be wrestling, you know, and quit doing all this fancy stuff. Let's just get after it, which makes sense when you're Iowa and, and you can afford to do that. But when you're trying to build something, you have to make it, you know, it's got to be fancy. That's what everybody wants, man. Like high schools, every high school should have a, a basically a mat light. No question. You and... know, and, and try to bring in people you almost have to run it like mma now if you want you want to get high school kids to the events that are not actual wrestlers like it's got to be dark it's got to be you know lighting you know you gotta you're gonna have to show it up well you guys did the uh like the wwf belts too right yeah <laughs> yeah we had a couple actually duels that were awesome man at the like, excel center at target center like yeah, like Jay did it right. He knew how to. He knew how to do a production. And you think about now, that's commonplace, like what Flo does with Final X. But he was one of the first guys to do, it. and that's what I love about Jay Robinson. He was an innovator in that sense. Turned all the lights out. Really yep. made it kind of like to your point, an MMA type of thing. Um, yep. I mean, outside of the, uh, you know, outside of kind of the scores and highlights, like what stories do you remember about Jay Robinson that the average fan might not know about? Maybe something he would do at a practice or some like the craziest workout you guys did. Does anything come to mind? I'm just so fascinated by him. Yeah. I mean, everything was every, 
every every workout was hard, but they all have the same mentality. So Marty Morgan was his assistant who was basically brought up by him, mm-hmm. you know, and then you had this guy, Mark Schwab, who was also super, super intense and an extremely good motivator. Then you had Joe Russell, who was like the nice guy, but had more knowledge than anybody alive. So, I mean, back when we were there, there's, it's, it's so hard because everything was, everything was awesome. man. that coaching staff was, was really, really amazing. Like they all complimented each other really well. You had brains, you had knowledge, you had intensity. It was, um, so like, I mean, we had a, we had a lot of really hard workouts. And what year did you guys do the 10 All-Americans? That was in 2001. Yep. That was our first year we won the national title, which was, it was really cool because nobody stood out. You know, you didn't have any spotlight. You had 10 All-Americans and that was it. Was there even a national champ that year? No. I didn't think there was. Okay. Um, No, we didn't even have a finalist that year. We had... We had six guys in the semis, and we went 0 for 6 in the semis, and that's when Iowa fans started saying zero to us because we had zero zero people made the finals. See, that's, and that's why I'm... when we won, we did. That's why we did the ten. So when we won, with the whole arena started ten ten. That's what I'm talking about. People forget how nasty this rivalry used to be. You had the Iowa fans chanting yeah. zero. <laughs> that is yeah, just. I'm not lying. Oh. It was brutal. Brutal, brutal. Oh my God. That is awesome. And like that's that's an era when Iowa literally won every single nationals from ninety one through two thousand. Um so people were yeah. sick of those guys, right? <laughs> um yep. and I like Iowa. I'm a I'm probably a Hawkeye fan first and foremost, but man, to have a team upset them, maybe not even upset them at that point, but like, would you consider it upset, or were you guys number one all year that year? No, I don't think so. I mean, we were back and forth. I'm trying to think of um, we might have lost Big Tens that year. Okay. I just I can't. I don't know if I can put a finger on actually the Big Ten part of it, but um, it was going to be close back in. I mean, for sure, you yeah. had to you had to definitely perform. That's there's no doubt about that. And it was in Carver Hawkeye, by the way. Oh man, that's where that's where that's where the Nationals were that year. Oh man, that's that's awesome. So I'm thinking of I don't know if that's the year T.J. Williams wrestled Tony Davis or not, but um, those are two Illinois guys going at it in the finals. So I I remember oh. that one. Um, so yeah, I wrestled Tony Davis a, bunch, a couple times. <sighs> Dude, that guy's a freak, huh? <laughs> yeah. Oh definitely. man, so so talented. He. Um, Ironically, he and T.J. Williams went to the same kids' club, the Harvey Twisters, which is the, <laughs> yep. this dominant. I'm very aware. Oh, okay. I mean, you, yeah, you're deep in the circles. How could you not be? But, dude, just a dominant club and um, big fans of those guys. Now, your junior yep. year, you guys also win the team title, but you're a national champion. And I read a quote that you said that got me uh, just chills almost when I read it, but you said, like, after you won – you couldn't believe that the climb actually worked and that, you know, all the hard work actually paid off. So like kind of like before you got to that, that point where you won going into the finals, your junior year, you're going up against what would be a future Olympian and Freyer. Like wh- where are you at mentally going in? Are you, are you visualizing it? Are you hyping yourself up? Or are you staying calm? 
You're trying to visualize it, I think. But I, I think for me, I was a calm guy. Like I tried not to get worked up. Now, it, it, it every style is different, right? Some people um, would pace back and forth and, and warm up for an hour. It just kind of depends on what works for you. But I was definitely the guy that's, you know, relaxed and, and just try to flow into it. You know, I try to not think, try not to just try to get your mind basically in a state of um, almost like Zen, right? Where you can react. I've always thought that if you have to think about it, you're, you'll slow down by the time you think. So everything needs to be a reaction. You need to be able to basically go blank and just let your body react how it needs to react. Let it do its thing. And so you you would take that mentality into those matches and if if like before a match self doubt started to creep in or for example Saturday when the nationals are, or the finals are at night you have all day if something were to creep into your mind would you just try to eradicate it right away or did you have any techniques for dealing with that because usually high performers have some type of technique they use Yep. And I, I don't know if I have a technique or not. You would just have to, you'd have to be aware of it and like actually think about it and be like, okay, take this nasty thought, like put it in a, in a ball and then throw it over there or hit it with a baseball over there, you know, to where you can almost visualize the thought getting placed into something and then discharged, you know, that's kind of an easy way to get rid of it. Yep. Yep. No, that's, um, it's just kind of, yeah, ignore acknowledging it and then letting it go away. Yeah. Instead of sitting there trying to just like, you know, like not pay attention to it. You have to actually like, for me anyway, it was like a, you have to actually take the thought and, and, and almost see it, right. Try to visualize that nasty thought and then, you know, whatever you can crumple it up like a piece of paper and throw it in the garbage or, you know, hit it or throw it and you'll get it out of there. So your brain kind of sees it and then you can move on. Right. Now, after you won, had to be, you know, as you said, the happiest moment of your life. Did you ha- have any trouble refocusing yourself and getting amped up for the next go around or resetting your goals on the next big thing after that? Uh, maybe a, a little bit, you know, but I, I was a junior. So my senior year, I was still focused on doing it again, um, you know, if, if possible. So, like, I I don't you know, maybe for a, a small little window of time there, but then you get, you get right back into it. Yeah. You know, I try not to think too much about that stuff, you know, where it's, you're just almost robotic, right? Go do your thing. Especially when you're around so many good guys that you were. Um, and then yeah. I just want to kind of want to close with, with some few, few minutes on Pinnacle because it's so exciting to see this, uh, academy it's not to me it's way bigger than a club it's an academy you have a standalone building 400 kids i mean the amount of guys you guys have put on a world team and girls is unbelievable so after 08 um you know i've heard that you were running pinnacle kind of on the side just to make money while training for the olympics and then after 08 yeah you decide to go full-time with it how did you get to the point where you're using other high schools to your own facility and and growing to 400 kids so as soon as as soon as in 05 to 08 you're right it was um it was just a, a way to make some money and coach and i had like luke becker matt nagel mac Ryder, all these kind of you know friends u of m guys that we were working together damian han was there for year one you know we were just kind of you know splitting the money you know hodgepodge it and then you know going out and then i started to think like maybe this can work like 
you know, okay, do we want to get into college coaching? Maybe, but I had had some friends that were coaching a lot and, you know, they started to tell me how many weekends they're, you know, gone a year, you know, it was like Tim Hartung was with Cale Sanderson his last year at Iowa state. Um, and he said he was gone 37 weekends. Holy smokes. And I just was like, God, I don't know if I want that right now. I just don't know if I, if that's what I, I, I want to get into that whole scene. You know, I'd like to try this, this scene where you're, you know, we're still gone on a time, but you're not gone 37 weekends. And so I started to think like, maybe it could work, you know, and that's when Brandon Paulson was, you know, around, he was training Deichler. So he was, he was around the room a lot. And, and I was just fascinated really by his passion for the sport. So that's when I started talking to him. I was like, Hey, would you ever think of at the time he was helping Deichler out, who was a young, you know, Olympian. And, um, at the same time was running his dad's business. So he's, you know, he's just, like I said, a finance guru, numbers guru. And, um, I kind of mentioned the idea to him like, Hey, what do you think? And he ran some numbers and he's like, yeah, I, I think this can work. And to be honest, man, we have never looked back. It, it was, it was truly the, the greatest move we did. Has and then, um, yeah, we just, we just, we just flow. We just, it just works. And then when did you guys end up building your own facility? Like what was the breaking point where year, you were like? Year one. No shit. Oh, year wow. Year one, 2009. Yep, 2009. That was one of the things we said. If we're going to do this and we're going to make, make this work, the kids need to be able to buy into it. And to buy into it, you can't have it at a high school. You can't have it at the U of M room. Otherwise, it's not their room. It's the U of N rooms that we're renting. Mm-hmm. And so we did it from year one. Now, we just, we just leave space. You know, like our first space was a total of 6,000 square feet. You know, we had two mats, you know, small little weight room right there. And, um, yeah, that way when the kids, when, they, when they're there, they, they, it's their space. Like, they get to say, Hey, I'm going to go to pinnacle. Like not, not that it's ours. It's, it's theirs. I've heard you say that. And I think so that's interesting to think of, Hey, this is the kid's space. And it makes sense because other sports have that right. Elite, like gymnastics teams, they have their own facility. They're not going to the local high school. Like why wouldn't wrestling have its own? Um, yeah. yeah. You know? Um, yep. And so at that time was, were there other schools besides overtime and the edge at New Jersey doing this? Were there others you looked to for kind of advice at that time when you were first starting it? Yeah, not many. I mean, really when I, when I, it was really overtime was who I was trying to model a little bit. Cause that was the, the big school at the time. Yeah, they were. Um, so, so that good. was really all, all I had talked to, but yeah, you know, there was a, there was definitely some, some other ones out there and now it's, it's awesome. Now I got, I actually, I take good pride in, in people that are trying to start a club up, you know, and, mm-hmm. and information that they want. Cause I use the same information. I had to talk to somebody and say, Hey, give me some pointers, help me out here a little bit. And I'm super thankful for that. So when somebody calls me like Chase Pammy called the other day, he wants to start a club out in Las Vegas. Kyler Sanderson called the other day. He's starting a club in Utah, just trying to like, Hey, what are some ideas here that you did that, you know, I don't want to make, mistakes and i i am all in of of helping somebody out 
it's awesome to see just in the Midwest here, you have Seabolt in Iowa and Chicago. They're legit three or four schools that are top caliber. Yeah, yeah. Yep. You guys in Minnesota, Askren in Wisconsin, it's it's unbelievable to see this, and it's so exciting. And obviously, that translates to um, to success on the international scene. So, uh, as we wind down, three quick rapid fire questions. The first one is, what like what advice would you have for someone starting a new club, or what are some like one or two things you've really learned that you say you got to do this or you got to do that? Well, it, it, it it's it's actually it's it's that's going to be a hard question because everything plays into it. Like you have your population base, like one of the things that, that we have to try to do to get kids to the best. I mean, that's basically if you want your club to succeed, you got to find a way to, to get them better. So the one, they got to buy in, they got to buy into whatever you're selling, man, whatever it is, the kids got to buy into it too, is you got to have the right groups. You can't have a, you know, six-year-old working out with a high school kid. You can't have you know, one practice, you know, you can't have almost two practices. You can't have a six-year-old working out with a good 10-year-old. You know, you have to be able to split your groups up to where the each each group can grow, grow in the same direction for everybody. So like for us, I mean, we basically, up until this year, which we changed just a little bit, we've had four different youth groups. You know, we have pre-elite one, two, three, and then our elite. Wow. So we have four different groups that are all the same so that each practice can run efficiently. Otherwise you're too fast for one, too slow for the others, you know, and it just doesn't, it doesn't grow. It just is hard. If you only have 40 kids altogether, you got to find a way to split up, you know, 15 kids got to go here and it's just not as, you know, you're running more practices than you want. Right. Now, I mean, that's crazy to think you have four youth practices Man, that's just awesome. Um, and the second question is, this is just me being generally curious versus talking about a trending topic, but why do you think anyone would have a negative perception of the RTCs? Because I, I just can't fathom it. But like, what what do you, what's your take on the on the RTCs? And we don't have to get political. I'm just curious, gut response to that. What what do you think about it? Um, I, I think in in general they're they're good, right? I mean it's it's good. The only drawback I have to the RTCs is I actually think about the kid that doesn't qualify. You know what I mean? So the guy that takes, and I don't totally know what all the qualifications are because I know they were coming out with new ones um, and they were going to go just freestyle based, which I think is a, a, is definitely a little bit better if you can get on the perfect scene. But before it was high school based. So what about the guy? So top four were able to go to the RTC practices. Well, what about the guy that's fifth? Hmm. He's, he's one point away from beating the fourth place guy. And now that guy gets to go and work out with college kids you know, as many times, you know, three days a week. Well, of course that for that, the guy, that guy is going to get better than the guy that took fifth. He's got no shot. If the fourth place guy is working out with, you know, college athletes getting his butt kicked by college guys. I mean, think about how, when I think about how much I grew my red shirt year, that's basically what those guys get. You know what I mean? So that's my only kickback on it. I love what it's doing for our international people. I love what it's doing for that other side of it. But it's either I don't know how to I don't know how to make it fair mm-hmm. um, from those standpoints. But that's what I worry about is like, gosh, that guy was one point away, and now he, you know, this other guy gets so many benefits. Well, especially, yeah, I don't know about Minnesota or Idaho, but in Illinois, the discrepancy between 
the double A and the single A division back in, now there's three, but back when I was doing it, there's only two who was unreal. So like the fifth place guy in double A probably could have won single A. And for the fact that he can't go to the RTC, whereas the top four in single A could go, that's, I never even thought about yeah. it like that. I don't even think about high school with that's RTCs. Just, honestly, I forget about yeah, it. They can that's go. The, that's, yeah, that's the, that's the kicker part, you know, or even it's not really fair. I'm surprised he actually, the universities have actually um, kept it going just because I remember when I was, so I was a senior freestyle coach running the RTC for up until last year. And um, so we'd have to go to meetings. We would, you know, I'd have to go to a summit meeting out in Colorado Springs and talk about all this stuff. And I remember Jamel Kelly, when he was at Stanford, he went in to set up an RTC and they were like, uh, you can't do this. This is, this is completely against compliance. There is no way we're allowing this. Right. So now it's totally unfair for him. Like all these other people, you know, like I talked to a buddy of mine, um, at Rutgers and he's, he's like, we don't even really have to travel much for recruiting. It's awesome. He's like, we, we got so many kids in our RTC that it's like, we don't even need to, we don't even need to, we don't, you know, have to travel as much as they used to. So Stanford won't allow an RTC. Yeah. I don't know if they would now that was, you know, that was a few years ago, but yeah, he went in and was like, Hey, all these people are doing this. We got to set one up and they, they shut it down. So I'm surprised like those colleges didn't be like, wait a second here. You know, I, imagine if, yeah. imagine a football team, right? A football program that can have high school. Imagine Alabama. I was going to say, and that. they Nick can Saban. now have, <laughs> yeah. And now they can have all these high school kids come in and like, I wonder if this kid's any good. Hey, why don't we just have him take a couple hikes? You know, you can't do that. Right. But in the wrestling world, not only can you do that, but like, Hey, let's put, let's put that guy with this guy over here. Who's national champ. And let's see how he fares. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. He actually did pretty good. We need to make sure we get that guy. You know what I mean? Right. So, yeah. Uh, as far as that aspect, I'm not a college person with it. So I, it doesn't really, it doesn't matter to me. Um, you know, but, um, yep. those are the, I love what it's doing for our international level. It seems to be working like the U S is awesome, you know, doing awesome right now. And, I think that international experience is growing. You know, that would be my only my take on it is the, the fairness side for the, the poor guy that's, you know, sixth, seventh, fifth. Yep. And I think they're changing that. I, I think the new rules are changing to where it's like Fargo based. You know, you're a state champ for freestyle and Greco or you're a, you know, Fargo All-American. Got it. Which makes sense. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Well, that's, that does, um, I never even thought that a school wouldn't allow it, but if that's the case, man, you are really in trouble. Um, I'm also surprised that college coaches can still coach Fargo, but um, you know who who knows what that? That seems a little nutty, though, to me as well. Uh, again, yeah, you're crazy, right? Just a different <laughs> like wrestling. Nah, who cares? Yeah, um, but that doesn't. That's not going to happen in football. No, God, no. Um, but I think whatever's whatever makes the kids better I'm all for and obviously why wouldn't you want to have a college coach on your Fargo team so I'm all for it it's just kind of ironic to look yep. at other sports um last question Jared as we wind down here I ask everyone this is you know if you look back on your life how would you say wrestling has changed your life and what are some of the core values and, and principles you use daily from our, our great sport yep. here yep well like I have um two boys that wrestle and granted they may it may not be their sport. I hope it is only because I will see them a lot more. You know, I'll see them at night as they, you know, progress into um, pinnacle. 
And, but even if they don't, like I, I, I kind of try to tell them, I was like, it does not have to be your sport, but you are going to wrestle. And it, it's really just for the value you get on it. I have not found another sport that you get the same values out of it. It's just a, it's just amazing, man. And I, I think the best thing is the humility side. And I try to talk to our pinnacle kids about it all the time because everybody's so worked up over the wins and the losses, right? The losses, they hurt so bad and some people take it hard. And I'm, I tried as much as I can to preach to them. Like, it's not about that. It's the humility side that you're going to get from it is one of the greatest things that you will get. Being able to fail and jump back is the biggest thing that I think you will actually get from wrestling. Cause not everything's going to be perfect. Life is not going to be perfect. You're going to get beat down and that's just the way it is. Mm-hmm. And, um, if you can learn to deal with it, I mean, I, I know, gosh, here's an ex- example. I was talking to my neighbors, um, right. And, um, one of them was like, they're, they're engineers around here. So they're smarter than me, but, and he was on a team of engineers and they, they were working for like uh, Medtronic and these kids had spent a few months, um, not kids, but you know, a, young adults spending a few months on, on a, on a project or whatnot. And they have to present this project to a board and you know, the board basically shot it down. And these people were so pissed that they shot down a project that they were working on. Like half of them quit. They just quit. They're like, they, they can't do that. Mm. They just quit because they, they can't, they couldn't handle the defeat side of it. They couldn't handle that humility. You know, there's going to be a time when you're going to be working and you're going to have a boss and he's going to jump down your throat because you did something wrong, you know, and you're going to have to be able to handle it. You're going to have to be able like, you know what? You're right. I screwed up. How do I get past it? How do I get better? You know, that's how you're going to survive. That's how you're going to thrive in life is by taking the criticism and, 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 and using it, you know? So that's actually for me, like my kids, they hate to lose like any kid, but, and I, I, I'm like, dude, this is actually the greatest thing you're going to get from it. And you have to be able to, you have to be able to bounce back. You have to be able to, you know, lose and bounce back. And it's happened to me. Like my college year, my, my year, we had 10 all Americans, you know, I did the whole semi slide twice, man, where it was like my dreams were crushed. My, my sophomore year, I had just beat Alex Terrapelli in the, um, uh, big tens. You were OW of the big tens. Yeah. Right? Yep. 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 I had just beaten Terrapelli in the big tens and, um, I wrestled him in the semis and it just, it just didn't go. It was, it was one of those, it was one of those things where, um, it just didn't go my way and it crushed me so bad. I, I never recovered from it. You know, you have, you have to be able to recover. But, and especially oh yeah. when, you know, the one thing I love, obviously I love the whole, the whole thought of humility is huge and, and self-reflection is, is consistent with every guest we have, but especially when you know, you've done literally everything you can and it still doesn't go your way. That's the, that's the, the breaking point there. Yep. Yep. Awesome. Uh, so they're just, that's the biggest thing that, that you'll, that you'll get from, 
from wrestling, I think. I mean, you get the work ethic, you get the discipline. Like, there's just, it's just, it's, it's ridiculous. Mm. And just no other sport than I know that, that, that will come with it because your, your self sacrifice is so big because it's you versus a team. You can, it's just, it's just on the line. Yeah. Awesome stuff. Well, thank you so much, Jared. It's been a real, real pleasure to chat with you this morning. Uh, best of luck to you this upcoming season, man, and, and have a great day. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you. That's the end of this episode, but definitely not the end of the show. For more episodes, please go to wrestlingchangemylife.org. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Give us a star rating. Show the love, baby. Show the love. Thank you so much. We'll see you again soon. Peace.